Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's everything you might have missed in the Secret Invasion finale. Welcome back to Nerdist News. I'm Dan Casey and not a scroll named Matt Karen who replaced him. Today we're diving into the Secret Invasion season finale. This six-episode spy thriller came to a close this week as Nick Fury raced against time to try and avert the Skrullpocalypse. Skrulls. In doing so, the show may have introduced the single most powerful character in the MCU. So we're going to break it all down for you in just a moment, but to do so, we need to spoil what happens in the Secret Invasion finale. So if you haven't seen it yet and you're worried about that sort of thing, leave now before it's too late. Then I guess this is goodbye. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? Secret Invasion's sixth episode finally poured some gasoline on what has been a very, very slow burn. But ironically, its truncated runtime didn't really allow for a lot of meaningful exploration of a lot of the questions it tried to raise. Remember when we asked if Secret Invasion was gonna be Marvel's Andor? Well, that answer was a resounding no. While the show certainly had pockets, pockets. of intrigue, what it was fomenting, fomenting turned out to be a bit of a letdown. The finale is called Home, which ties into the central theme of the series, looking for a place to call home. For the Skrulls, they have been refugees on Earth since the mid-90s, and they still have to live in hiding. It's really hammered home by the motto of new Skrullos being home in my own skin. Instead, they're forced by a society that fears them, or people like Nick Fury who exploit them, to wear the skins of others. As for Nick Fury, home has taken on a drastically different definition in the wake of the blip. He doesn't feel at home on Earth anymore, ever since he failed to stop Thanos from snapping half of all sentient life out of existence. It's why he's been hiding out on Saber's space station all this time. Who's got my shoes? There, he's avoiding all responsibility, including his wife Priscilla. Sorry, I mean Vara. But as the old saying goes, home is where the heart is, and this series tries to drive that sentiment home by the finale's end, too. Sometimes the people you love may let you down, things won't work out the way they're supposed to, and your best friends wind up being shape-shifting monsters. Boom, you looking for this? <laughs> anyway, the episode follows two primary storylines, the showdown between Nick Fury and Gravik at New Skrullos, and Rhodey trying to manipulate President Ritson into starting World War III. As many predicted, the Nick Fury that went to square off with Gravik wasn't Nick Fury at all. It was Gaia in disguise, and this was an elaborate ruse to trick Gravik into giving Gaia almost every single superpower in the MCU. You know, basically the exact same things She-Hulk was making fun of in their finale. And a whole blood thing that seems super suspiciously close to Super Soldier Serum. But Kevin decided that it was the right move for Secret Invasion, so here we are. Huh. Gravik uploads the DNA database known as the Harvest. It was Nick Fury's top secret initiative to have Skrulls collect samples of all of the superhuman blood spilled during the Battle of Earth in Avengers Endgame. The full database includes Ghost, Captain America, Corvus Glaive, Thanos, Outrider, Proxima Midnight, Captain Marvel, Abomination, Mantis, Cull Obsidian, Drax, Korg, Ebony Maw, The Frost Beast, Hulk, Black Panther, The Chitari, Valkyrie, Thor, Gamora, Groot, aka Flora Colossus, and Bucky. Plus, we know the previous database included Extremis, the nanotech from Iron Man 3 that answers the question, aren't you glad we can regrow missing limbs? 
Thanks, Adam. We have questions about a few of these, like Ghost and Abomination. Neither of them would have been present at the Battle of Earth, so why were they included in the Harvest? Well, our best theory is that it's a part of a larger database of superhuman DNA that Fury just already has. Ghost was a S.H.I.E.L.D. operative for a while, so Fury likely had a chance to harvest her DNA then. And Abomination has been in Damage Control's custody at the world's least secure prison. As we saw in the trailers, in an unused shot, Damage Control has the tissue sample from Cull Obsidian's arm that was left behind during the Black Order's attack on New York in Infinity War. Whoa! Ugh. So it stands to reason they might have some abomination tissue on file too, just waiting for people like Nick Fury to borrow for his private collection. Anyway, the super scrollification process leads to a big fight sequence between Gaia and Gravik. The whole thing felt strangely weightless, almost like it was straight out of Dragon Ball Z. It also helps that Gravik in his hulked out scroll form bears a striking resemblance to Piccolo. Gaia also does her best impression of SpongeBob or Giant Arm Morty when she tapped into Drax's beefy jeans. The biggest takeaway from this battle, though, is that Gaia is now unequivocally the strongest character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We don't know exactly if she can tap into the full powers of every person whose DNA now courses through her body, but it's a pretty potent cocktail. The sequence raises a lot of questions about how exactly Gaia knew the intricacies of how to use all of her newfound abilities, like Ghost's phasing, Mantis's emotional control, and now, I guess, Drax's sense of humor? Nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I would catch it. Presumably, Nick Fury briefed her off-screen, or she reviewed files while ghostwriting the whip to the front gates of New Skrullos. They clearly spent the majority of the budget on VFX for this episode, so maybe they ran out of money for additional exposition. Given that Gaia has the abilities of everyone, from Thor to Captain America to Captain Marvel, she has a raw power potentially unmatched by anyone else in the universe. That makes her especially dangerous now that she is working with Sonya Fallsworth by the episode's end. And let me guess, you're doing this out of the kindness of your heart? <laughs> God, no, don't be silly. Of course, as our colleague Hector Navarro noted, she is far less experienced than the superheroes whose powers she bears. And while she displays some innate ability to utilize them, others could likely take her down in the interim using superior tactics. While this is happening at New Skrullos, the real Nick Fury actually was three steps ahead of his enemies. Working with Sonya, they take down Scrody and his goons before the president nukes New Skrullos. It's a good thing they stopped him, though, because there are a ton of people being held hostage beneath New Skrullos who aren't immune to radiation. Gaia helped free these 24-hour potty people, including Dr. Rosa Dalton, the art dealer, Everett Ross, and the real James Rhodes. Boom, you looking for this? <laughs> now, this raises an important question. Just how long was Rhodey in Scrustody? Gaia tells him that he has been a prisoner for a long time. While everyone else seems to be capable of walking under their own ability, Rhodey needs two other people to help carry him out of the Skrull base. His overall condition seems to imply that it could have been at least since Captain America's Civil War. If you recall, the Vision shot Rhodey down and effectively cost him the use of his legs. Perhaps the Skrulls took Rhodey captive when he was taken in for medical care. But that would also really cheapen a lot of the emotional stakes of things like Avengers Endgame. So, fingers crossed, it was sometime after Endgame, maybe during the events of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The more immediate crisis the MCU will have to deal with is a climate of distrust created by Ritson's inflammatory broadcast, which is some real one-term president stuff if you ask us. We see vigilantes gunning down people left and right, some who are actually scrolls, or some who the vigilantes think are scrolls. It's this climate of fear and Ritson's sinking political prospects that will set the stage for Thunderbolt Ross to take control in Captain America Brave New World and for Val and Ross to create the Thunderbolts as their personal supercops later on in Phase 6. 
As for Rhodey, well, he's gonna have his hands full with whoever's been misusing all of that Stark Industries tech in Armor Wars. Based on what we've seen so far, it might even be Damage Control who are using Stark Industries drones to target superhumans. Of course, as with any of this, only time will tell. We'll see the aftermath of Secret Invasion, including if there's any legitimacy to rumors of Kree peace talks, in the Marvels this November. In the meantime, we'll keep you posted with any updates over on Nerdist. For now though, tell us, what did you think of the finale? Did you spot anything that we missed? Boom, you looking for this? <laughs> Let us know in the comments below, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, stay tuned to Nerdist.com. I'm definitely Matt Cairn and not a Dan Casey Skrull.